At home, turn us up. In your car, turn us on. At work, tell others about Talking with Ms. T, the talk show that's giving you trending topics, noted news, interesting interviews, community updates, and so much more. It continues right now. Miss T. She'll do the talking. All you got to do is be a good listener. Hello, listeners. You're back where it's at, and I'm spinning the winning talk show that pops to the top, always nice with some spice, where we hit the roof with the truth and the floor with much more of what you need to know to stay engaged, educated, empowered, and encouraged with trending topics, noted news, interviews, and much, much more. This is Tanisha Baker, and you're inside Talking With T. I'm happy to bring you the first show of July as we let the sparks fly. Happy 4th of July, and if today is your birthday, you share it with the recent high school graduate, Malia Obama, talk show host, Geraldo Rivera, NBA great Horace Grant, football Hall of Famer, Floyd Little, and the late football great, Will Smith, who was fatally shot this past April. Today in history, the first Medals of Freedom were awarded to opera singer, Marian Anderson, and Nobel Peace Prize recipient Ralph Bunch. And of course, this date is recognized as Independence Day, marking the adoption of the Declaration of Independence in 1776. Independence Day, or the 4th of July, has been a federal holiday since 1941. The theme for this month is Jazzy in July, as you are encouraged to sparkle and shine. Express just how awesome you are and let your light shine. Put a little glitter on your day and be jazzy. Don't let anyone or anything dull your shine. All month, I will be encouraging you to jazz it up as you sparkle and you shine. Now it's time for our Monday Minute Quick Bits. Princess Purple Rain wardrobe sold at auction for $192,000. Another accidental shooting ended in the death of a three-year-old in Clarksville, Tennessee after he accidentally shot himself in the face. Another animal has gone wild as an orangutan broke loose at Bush Gardens in Tampa, Florida this past Friday. The orangutan was eventually captured and returned to its enclosure. Nancy Grace is leaving her primetime show in October after 12 years. Nancy Gray started her career after her fiancé was murdered while they were in college. The woman that was on the FBI's most wanted list for killing a pregnant woman has been captured in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Shanika Minor killed her mother's neighbor, Tamika Perry, after confronting her with a gun because her mother had complained of Perry playing loud music. The mother did try to intervene, but Minor shot Perry over her mother's shoulder and killed both Perry and her unborn child. Let's hop right into our happy highlights. And our first happy highlight today is about a husband who has shown extreme support for his wife as she has battled breast cancer. He got the entire town to help celebrate her last day of chemotherapy by sending her flowers. Brad Bosquet set up a deal with a local florist so that roses would be sold for $10 and all proceeds would go to the Susan G. Komen Foundation. On the last day of his wife's chemotherapy, 500 roses were delivered to his wife and 4,500 was donated to the foundation in his wife's name. By the way, is Alyssa. Brad said that his wife Alyssa had amazed him 
with her strength, courage, and positive attitude. The next happy highlight is about a sweet couple that crossed the finish line hand-in-hand at the Cork City Marathon in Ireland. The couple decided to do this as a great way to celebrate their 80th birthdays as well as their 57th wedding anniversary. On top of that, they finished the marathon in 5 hours and 23 minutes, making them tied for first place in their age group. My final happy highlight is about an officer that caught a couple shoplifting in Target. Now many times shoplifters are suspected of stealing to support a drug habit or to sell stolen items for cash. In this case, the officer noticed that the couple had items like diapers and clothing, shoes and necessities for a family. The officer decided instead of arresting the couple who were with their two children ages eight and four months, that he would pay for their items with his own money. He handled it all discreetly and also directed the couple to local family resources that may assist them. Keep it where it's at. I'll be right back after we hear Everything I Need by Jackie Hampton. Florida. 
who was arrested earlier this month. She was accused of killing her two children, ages seven months and three years old. She's been deemed incompetent to stand trial for the charges of premeditated murder. Now, she admitted suffocating the two children with a bed sheet. So this is just something that I can't understand. But in rounding your neck of the woods, a similar story emerged, and it flooded the news about a stabbing death of four children in an upscale apartment complex. And I understand that's not far from you. Right. It's about uh, two or three minutes down the street from me. So it's very close to home, both literally and emotionally, because the city has been just really heartbroken over the death of these four children. Right. So I understand that one child got away and went for help, but all four of the children that were murdered were under the age of six. So the father wasn't home time and and it says that the mother reportedly cut their throats with a butcher knife so her name is Shanithia Gardner age 29 has been charged now with four counts of first degree murder and she's been held without bond so it's reported that the couple was recently married and the community and the family are shocked by the occurrence and unsure about what led up to the horrific incident but you said that you heard there in Memphis which I'm sure you're getting more first-hand news that it had possibly something to do with postpartum depression. That's correct, and that's what all of the uh, signs are pointing to, and that's what a lot of the media outlets and even those of us who are here in Memphis are pointing as the cause of this very horrific incident, especially given the ages of these children with them being so young. I can't think of any other reason why a mother would want to purposefully kill her young children, particularly with these, you know, like I said, the children being so young. And fortunately, uh, there was one child who was able to escape, but I'm sure that uh, he's definitely going to need to be surrounded by his family and definitely going to need some counseling as well as the city as a whole. And I'm sure the rest of the country is praying for the family, this uh, the young the young child who managed to escape, and it's just, like I said, very heart-wrenching all across the board. Right. And, you know, that's not even the last story of what I guess are just mothers gone mad, and I don't know if it has to do with postpartum depression or what. But, well, I do know in this particular story that I'm getting ready to share, a mother actually shot her two daughters to make her husband suffer. And she said she didn't want to shoot him because then he wouldn't suffer. So the two daughters were ages 17 and 22, a little older than the children in the other two stories. She called a family meeting, and the husband thought they were going to talk about their divorce and discuss it with their daughters. They had been married for over 20 years. So as she started to shoot, Jason Sheets, that's the husband, and the two daughters ran outside. But Christy Sheets, that's the mother, she followed them and then shot and killed their two daughters. So, again, that is very shocking. And as always, you can get more details about this story and the other ones by visiting www.talkingwitht.com and looking under today's show. But it's just amazing to me that these mothers could do such horrendous things. I just, as a mother, I just can't even fathom what would make you kill your own children. I'll go. I've heard it happen before, you know. Right, and I've I've seen uh, several testimonies on Facebook of mothers who have undergone postpartum depression, and it's definitely giving light to 
uh, mental illness, particularly in the African-American community. And a lot of people have said, you know, in the African-American community, we have this whole notion of, well, we just want to pray it away or just hope that it'll get better. But it just, like I said, gives greater level of reality to things of this nature. And I personally would admonish anybody who is uh, connected to a mother or who, who just knows somebody in general, you know, make sure that you're reaching out to them. You know, try to see where their head is as best as you possibly can. And if they exhibit signs of perhaps harming themselves, harming their children, you know, as a friend, as a, as a coworker, as a neighbor, seek help for them. You know, they may not know what to do, but you know, you as the, as the friend, as the neighbor, as the coworker, Step in and intervene. I mean, the time is out for just saying, oh, well, we just going to pray about it and it's going to get better. No, the Bible says watch as well as pray. And I feel like I'm preaching every week. So, right. But, uh, but you know, you, you can't, you can't just pray, but sometimes there's, there's, there's professional help that needs to be had. Yeah. We can't be afraid as people to take advantage of it. Yeah, and that's good advice. And, you know, I think traditionally in our community, we, don't see postpartum as a real sickness or we don't see mental health issues as a real sickness. It's really just coming to light. And so I think a lot of people are still ignorant to the signs and how to get help. But like you said, I have a hashtag actually don't look away. And that's for see somebody that's doing something, you know, that's unfamiliar, that's odd, some activities. And it could be one, in your children, you know, if they're doing something strange or they're behaving strange or they're talking about things or doing things that just kind of seem off the cuff, you need to investigate. Something may be going right. on. If you see someone and they are showing signs of depression and talking about, possibly, like you said, harming themselves to others, don't look away. Try to figure out what's going on. And it's possible that some of these tragedies could have been prevented had we known to look for more of the signs and pay attention to those. Yes, indeed. Well, there's this one more story I want to share that's been trending in the news, and it's pretty disturbing. It's about a disabled patient traveling from St. Jude that is now suing the airport after her bout with security. So, dang, Jay, all of these stories, or many of them are in your neck of the woods, but 19-year-old Hannah Cohen was traveling to Chattanooga from St. Jude Hospital in June of last year as she was receiving treatment for a brain tumor. When she got to Memphis, she set off the metal detector. As security went to check her, her mother tried to explain that Hannah didn't understand what was going on and that she was partially deaf, blind in one eye, and partially paralyzed, so she was easily confused. However, the police, you know, kept the mother at a distance and really wouldn't let her in the area where they were checking her daughter, and so the daughter didn't know what was going on, and she ended up on the ground, hit her head on the floor. And if you look at the pictures, you can see blood all over her face and head. She it off. She right. was arrested, booked, and locked up in jail. And I'm thinking, now wait just a minute. She's deaf, blind, and paralyzed. I, I just, I don't, I don't even think I have any words about the incident and what I would describe as police brutality because this is nothing short of horrendous. The family is suing for a hundred thousand, but I personally believe they should sue for much more because I just don't understand how this could happen to this young lady who's been battling a brain tumor 
for 17 years. And actually, this trip was supposed to be her last treatment. So it should have been one that was more celebratory, but instead they have to go through all of this drama and trauma at the hands of TSA officers who, might I add, can't seem to stop people from bombing in the airport. And let me not even, anyway, I don't want to go. Yeah. I'm just saying this story right here really ticked me off. And I, I'm still trying to fathom how TSA screeners were just completely ignorant or well, I won't even call them ignorant because that's putting it a bit too nicely and that's giving the benefit of the doubt, how they were not smart enough or didn't care enough to see that this particular patient, that Hannah, was disabled. I'm pretty sure given the nature of her disability, somebody should have been able to say, okay, well, the mother is not just blowing smoke. It's almost like they were mechanical, you know, that they weren't, taking time to pay attention to the individuals coming through. And it's not like she had one disability. You know, blind, deaf, and paralyzed. I I just... Right. I don't see how those signs could have been ignored. Right. And And they kept the mother at a distance. And, you know, my whole thing is somebody should have noticed that Hannah is not the typical airline passenger. She was probably fighting for her life because she didn't know what was going on. But she right. ended up in jail. In now, come jail. on. Yes. So, so I, I, I fought TSA. I mean, I, like, I, like we were saying earlier this week, I already feel some type of way about them anyway because they take you through all of this unnecessary, and I did say unnecessary, so, you know, who's going to check me, boo? Unnecessary drama <laughs> when you get on this plane. And it is ridiculous how the lot, the wait, the lines, how long the lines are, how long you have to wait. And God forbid you set the darn screening thing off with a freaking belt buckle. You know, they want to treat you as if you're about to blow up the freaking plane. So here again, right. I, 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 like I said, I'm, all, I'm already vexed in my spirit at TSA anyway. And just to read this story made me even more angry. So I think it might be a little while before I get on a plane. Because I feel my airline rage beginning to rise up. So I'm, I'm a you said you said you vexed in your spirit, Jay. Huh? You said you vexed in your spirit. <laughs> I'm vexed in my spirit. I'm 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 getting a little airline rage, and I'm so for real. When I saw this story, I got angry. Like I said, I'm already on edge when I go to an airport anyway. Because more often than not, regardless of how early you uh, try to get there to make the screening process easier. It's always extremely lengthy every time that I have flown here recently. And then, you know, to read this, to see how they have treated this young lady who had absolutely no clue of what's going on and did not even think to allow her mother to go through through the screening with her, uh, perhaps that would have, you know, kind of put Hannah a little bit more at ease. The mother would have been able to better able to give the TSA people uh, a better handle on how to deal with Hannah as she's going through the checkpoint, all of that. So I, I'm, I'm real vexed. I'm just vexed. Well, Professor Jay, as always, I enjoy hearing your insights as you school us on some of the trending news and review. And I can't wait to talk to you next week. And I look forward to talking about everything that's worth talking about on Talking with Pete. All right, now. 
Well, now we're going to turn to the Crazy Chronicles, and I have P.I. Pam here with me today, and we're going to hear about her investigations of some crazy things going on in the news. So, Pam, first of all, how are you doing? I'm doing fabulous. I really enjoyed myself yesterday with you at the Chain Center Old School Block Party featuring the one and only DJ Sterl the Pearl. We had a great time. If you weren't there, you missed it. Yeah, you're right. It really was a really, really nice event. And I liked how the community came out. It was just fun. It was peaceful. There were free hot dogs, free icy space painting, and just a variety of things for people to do. And, of course, like you said, DJ Sterl the Pearl had everybody turned up, so there was a lot of dancing and line dancing going on. But, yeah, we did have a good time. And uh, Lil' Bird told me that there's going to be another one coming soon, so we'll have to look out for that. Oh, yes, that that will be that will be great because OBC is doing some great things. Um, Pastor Arnold is, and that leads me into some of these stories that I have. They don't affect us at our church, OBC, or my church at OBC, but let me say before you jump in, it don't affect my church either, and that would be Tabernacle Baptist Church with Pastor Christopher Battle. Now, come yeah, on. That's, that's that's my home church. Yes, I go, right. yes. You're right. But this segment is going to be called from the pulpit to the prison, because there have been some crazy things going on in the United States of America with some of these pastors. Now, this wow. first one hits kind of close to home. It's out of right outside of Nashville. A Nashville area pastor and his associates are charged with getting state grant money for an addiction program that didn't even exist. Clinton Lewis, 48, who lives in Hermitage, and Andre Treese, 38, who lives in Antioch, are charged with four counts of theft. Now, this goes back, the TBI has been looking at them from 2011. So from 2011 through 2015, Lewis, who was a pastor at Mount Hopewell Baptist Church, and Treese fraudulently received close to $60,000 in grant money from the Tennessee Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services for an addiction recovery program at the church. And the majority of the people that were on the list of the clients that they were supposed to be serving were deceased or in prison. And then the counselors that they had listed, they said they thought that it didn't exist anymore anyway because they hadn't worked there in years. So at the current moment, Lewis and Teresa are both in jail on $10,000 bond. That's That's just taking... You know, addiction is serious now. So why would you do that? Even the people that were on the list that they were supposed to be serving, they said they didn't receive any money for anything. They told them the the program was not in existence. So why would they do something like that, Pastor? Well, it reminds me. It reminds. Yeah, it reminds me of last week where that prophetess or self-proclaimed prophetess did something similar, where she was taking money for a program that was supposed to feed hungry children. And when they investigated or came to do a site visit, she wasn't feeding a soul, and she had kept that money. So, again, and she, I believe, was arrested as well, and she's in trouble for that. So this embezzlement seems to be on the rise. That's what I said, and I guess it doesn't. I guess they go prove they're human, too. So, you know, sometimes we put them on a pedestal, pastors. We just, just don't expect them to do certain things, and and the majority of them don't, but then there's some that fall by the wayside, in my nanny's voice. 
Well, yeah, yeah. But, you know, when you take on the position of being a pastor, then you have to also take on the responsibility and be accountable for that position. And so you're supposed to be a little bit more diligent about obeying the law and having good character. So, you know, I know they're human like everyone else. But still, I think that there's a certain amount of accountability that they have because they've taken that position. That's true. That's true. And that um, story was about money, but this next one is way worse. It's about Diamond Rucker, who is the pastor of Redemption Life Church in Memphis, Tennessee. And he's accused of raping and assault. According to the oh. affidavit, he gets rape and assault. According to the affidavit, he raped and beat a victim with a metal object. Then, on top of that, he cleaned up the crime scene and the victim, sent her to work. When she got off work, he raped her again. Wait, pause. I'm confused. So there's the victim who he's raped and beaten. Yes. He cleans up the crime scene, cleans her up, and sends her to work. Yes. And then when she... Go ahead. Oh, then when she left work, he raped her again. Now, that's where I'm confused. She's gone to work. How do they get back together again? Because once she gets to work, she's free from him. Yes. So when she got to work, she was free from him. When she left work, evidently she didn't, of course, she didn't report it. He followed her and raped her again. But this time, oh, okay, okay. She she reported it. And she was treated for abrasions on her ears, her forearms, and he's been charged with aggravated rape, aggravated assault, and tampering with evidence. But you have to be a sick person, and not even just a pastor, but a sick person in general, to rape somebody, clean up the scene, and clean them up, and then wait till they get out of work and then rape them again. How, I don't understand how he thought he could get away with that. I don't either. He, and then I, the crazy things, that's why it's the crazy chronicles, because the crazy right, things right, are going right. heads. Yeah. And then the next story is um, we're going down from the worst to the next worst, and this is the bottom worst. This is the bottom of the pit worst. When a 10-year-old little girl showed up at the hospital um, with stomach pains, um, the doctors found out that it wasn't her stomach. They found out that she was pregnant. And so they immediately called in at 10. That's a whole story in itself because there are things that have to happen to a female's body in order to reproduce. Anyway, okay. So after they found that she was pregnant, they automatically called the Fort Lauderdale SVU, which is Special Victims Unit, um, and talked to them. And they talked to her, and they found out that she had been molested by a pastor. And the man accused of pregnating her was Raymond Vincent, who was a youth pastor where she went to church, who also used to live in Fort Lauderdale. So the U.S. Marshals tried to track him down because he obviously had left Fort Lauderdale, and they found him in Haiti. They go to Haiti, expedite him back here, and they arrest him and charge him with aggravated rape by an authority figure, and he's been held in the Fort Lauderdale jail with no bond. And the th- crazy thing is that back in 2011, he molested another child. So I'm not exactly sure 
why he was still allowed to work with children when he molested a child in 2011. It looked like he would have been on the sexual offender list, like the church would have did a background check. It just right. doesn't seem right. This could have all been preventative if someone had to drop the ball on the first charge. Right, right. And, you know, we had a story here, right here in our own neck of the woods recently, where we had two pastors that were a part of a a sex scandal sting or ring or whatever it was, and they were charged with uh, human trafficking. And, again, one of them was a youth pastor. Both of them, obviously, when you're pastoring a church, are viewed as authority figures. And I think they were two out of actually, I believe, 36 people were arrested altogether. But, you know, two of them being pastors right here. And, again, every week it's a story that makes me tell people to watch your children. Yes. It's somebody always taking the innocence of these children. You know, I look at the case with the Northwest teacher here who, oh, yeah who admitted to having sexual relations with an eighth-grade little boy, and she gets probation and only has to stay on the sex offender registry for 20 years. So she's 20, so by the time she's in her late 40s, she could, she's going to be off of there, and her slave's going to be clean, so who's going to say that she won't do it again? Right. Right, because I think it's a sickness anyway when you do that. I mean, what do you find appealing about a juvenile if you're not sick? So if she's not getting any type of treatment or or help, then you're right. Her, along with some of these other offenders, could very well do it again if we don't lock them up. Yes, because Mr. Vincent, the pastor for a lot of that, he's 46. This little girl is 10. What do you see appealing about a 10-year-old? I think about... How I looked at 10. I looked like a 10-year-old. I had the pigtails, and I was I looked 10. What do you find appealing about a 10-year-old and you're almost a 50-year-old man? Nothing. There should be, should not be one thing, you know, like I said, unless you're sick in the mind. So you're right. These are definitely some stories that are out of the crazy chronicles. And what would you call it, Pam? What's this segment? This is a segment uh, from the pulpit to the prison. Uh, and I'm uh, sure there'll be more for me to talk about it in the coming weeks. Well, 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 that's unfortunate, but you're probably right. So I guess uh, that's it for this bit, and I'll see what P.I. Pam investigates for us to learn about next week. I know you know I'll have it straight with no chaser. Not right now. Well, once again, we've come to the end. But stay engaged by visiting www.talkingwitht.com and following the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you use an iPhone or iPad, download the podcast. Currently, you can listen to Talking With T on Blueberry, SoundCloud, iTunes, or TuneIn Radio, and recently added Google Music. Remember that new shows drop each Monday, and don't forget to subscribe to Talking With T Daily, the online daily newspaper, to get your daily scoop of trending news and find out what we're talking about. On that note, I'll end with a quote. All that is gold does not glitter. Not all those that wander are lost. J.R. Tolkien. Remember where you heard the word. Keep the peace until next week. You've been listening to Talking With Tea.